Rich man, devouring man, my dear. And who are we to deny in earthquake in Manhattan about a year ago. Did you hear about it? They called it Hamilton. <laughs> and overnight, everything changed. The author, Lin-Manuel Miranda, was hailed as a genius, and even people who don't like musicals were spending a month's rent to try to get a ticket. <laughs> And welcome to Earbuds and Earworms. I'm Amy, song and dance shepherd, and this is... Mitchell Manley, all scars, no stars. It's what we used to say in in theater. Oh. uh, Because I was never in any of the plays, but I was a tech. Uh Uh-huh. So I was the one who was putting sets together and... and having to Yeah, so (laughs) just like constantly drilling, you know, staples into my hand or whatever. In All scars, no stars. Yeah, they they didn't let us do a lot of the stapling, and okay. we, we did a little bit of nailing together, and right. we did have to string up all the lights and string up all the uh, microphones and whatnot. That was a sketchy old theater, too. Yeah, it yeah. was pretty bad, to be honest. Yeah, I can imagine. But I learned a lot about, you know, doing sound and... Rigging stuff right. together. I, um, I think I was in one play that Lindsay did, like she was the director of something, mm-hmm. and it was a one... Pl- uh, one act with uh tom cotton oh yeah but not the senator <laughs> right i remember tom cotton yeah so i was in a play once with tom cotton that's awesome because that tom was such a cool cat but yeah that's a whole nother podcast yeah do a whole podcast about tom cotton yes i'm sure he has a podcast about he tom probably cotton. does yeah um so this week it's about musicals you know there's plenty of uh there's plenty of musicals out there, and I think that like the best ones do generally get uh, quite a bit of attention because a good right. musical is good, and a bad musical is very, very bad. It's very, very bad. What did you bring this week? So I'm gonna start us off with a song called Schadenfreude from Avenue Q. Watching a vegetarian, being told she just ate chicken. <laughs> or watching a frat boy realize just what he put his Students getting bees. X is getting STDs. Waking dormant from their naps. Watching tourists reading maps. Football players getting tackled. CEOs getting shackled. Watching actors never reach the, the ending of their Oscar speech. Schadenfreude. Yeah, I've never gotten the chance to see Avenue Q live, but ear buddy Quincy Rhodes turned me on to the show back in high school, and uh, I hope I do get a chance to see it at some point. I don't know if they're still doing productions of it or not, but if you're not familiar, it's a show that mixes live actors and like monster puppets. It's almost like a PG-13 Sesame Street, and all the songs are like very tongue-in-cheek examinations of like some of the parts of the human condition that often go unspoken. 
Uh, I decided to gloss over <laughs> some of the more scandalous songs from the show, such as The Internet is for Porn and Everyone's a Little Bit Racist. Wow. But instead chose the chose this song uh, about schadenfreude, which is the German word for taking pleasure in the misfortune of others. Uh, I wish I could say I was a better person, uh, you know, a more evolved human, but uh, I do actually take pleasure in others' misfortune sometimes, but I do think that everyone does it, and uh, it's probably a very important psychological subtlety, you know, it feels good to see people receive justice for, like, things that they did wrong, or, like, to see your rivals fail, but, you know, you gotta remember, uh, there but, uh, there but the grace of God go I, or whatever, yeah. you know. <laughs> Oh, wow. So I was not aware of Avenue Q until there's very fuzzy orange book showed up in the music section of BAM. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was a very fuzzy book. And so I thought it was a TV series. I don't know why. I appreciate the German lesson, which is pretty hilarious. Uh, it's very much about the worst in our natures. And it's a very peppy tune. So I yeah. can feel like... It, it feels like Kermit is teaching me something, and Miss Piggy is also there teaching me something, but much more um adult and vulgar. A little bit. Yeah. A lot more cursing than I expected them to bring. <laughs> I think we all still listen to some of those Sesame Street tunes, so it, it is nice that this musical acknowledges that and allows us to get back into that Muppet mood. Yeah. And also acknowledges, like, you know, Sesame Street was teaching us how to spell and be friends and... Yeah, Avenue think, Q is. Yeah, I think they're missing out on an opportunity there to have an Avenue Q TV show or like throw it on Netflix. People would eat that up, I I'm think. I'm pretty sure they would. And I mean, I already thought it was a TV show that I hadn't seen yet. Oh, I was yawning. Sorry. <laughs> um, I. I don't know. I really, really appreciate it. Remember that there was a Muppets like nighttime television show, right? Yeah. So this, I think, this could take the place of it. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I went with a very common, everyone expected type of musical. I brought Phantom of the Opera's Wishing You Were Somehow Here Again. Weber's Lady Gaga musicals. <laughs> I was introduced very early to the Phantom of the Opera and get like super sentimental about it. I saw it at the Orpheum when it was touring way back in like 1997. My father would play it loudly in the van on every trip and I still got it in my car, but the kid is not nearly as amused as I am. Right. 
Uh, I chose a song that may not be as popular from it, but it has always touched me. My father was dancing around the house singing this mere hours before he died, and somehow the next day the song was like one of the few things I could stomach as I was trying to like grapple with yeah. him literally not being there anymore. So I got kind of gloomy in my description, but the song is just so soaring and triumphant after being so sorrowful that as it starts that it just really embodies what a good musical to me should do. And yes, Andrew Lloyd Webber probably did steal that Echoes thing from Pink Floyd. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to defend that. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know a whole lot about Phantom of the Opera aside from like the main theme song, but I do know that this is the voice of Sarah Brightman, who was in a handful of Andrew Lloyd Webber's productions, and she was also married to him for a little while, if I recall. And it's the one that I was uh, familiar with. Yeah, she, like I remember when I worked at Hot Topic, uh, <laughs> I worked with this guy Jansen, and he loved some Sarah Brightman. I remember Jansen. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're bringing we're yeah. bringing up all kinds of the Jackson homies. So shout out to Tom Cotton and Jansen. Yep. Uh, yeah. Very clearly, uh, Sarah Brightman has a beautiful, like crystalline soprano voice. But to me, just so damn high pitched <laughs> and like over dramatic that I can't really appreciate it as a narrative element. Uh, I've seen and listened to a handful of operas, and I can occasionally get into that. But the more operatic style just tends to throw me off a little. Uh, I can imagine that I would receive it much more openly within the context of the live performance, though. So I'd still love to see Phantom of the Opera at some point. And I'm glad that uh, some Andrew Lloyd Webber did make it this week. I almost brought Jesus Christ Superstar myself. So uh, that's got some of the best songs, in my opinion. At the only production of that I've seen was in German. Oh, wow. That was weird because they rewrote everything and they rewrote all the songs into german oh, wow. too i kind of want to hear that now it's surreal i was in Klagenfurt, austria and they were playing it at their local local theater holy crap i know it was, it was nuts and the next How fortuitous two, yeah the next time they did into the woods in german oh wow yeah they really really like nailed that like translation thing down ear buddies there were there were a few musical selections just right. a couple um i think a few folks went a little crazy a little wild. That's all right. A lot of them. I really love. Like, a say, lot to choose there's from. There's also like a lot of um, narrative between that's like, oh, and then there's this and then there's this. And then I really appreciate like all of this, like, you know, color behind the songs and like stories behind the mm -hmm. songs. I really like that part. Craig brought you and me, but mostly me from the Book of Mormon. Something incredible. I'll do something incredible. I want to be the Mormon who changed all of mankind. My best friend. It's something I foreseen. Now that I'm 19, I'll do something incredible that blows God's freaking mind. And as long as we stick together, and I stay out of your way. I've heard absolutely great things about the Book of Mormon, and the South Park uh, the South Park guys are pretty on point when they get to their satire. And I, uh, although I usually avoid the open poop jokes, which means I kind of didn't pay attention to Book of Mormon, but I guess it has less like poop jokes in it. Uh, I really wish I hadn't just like 
skip this. Uh, the vocal talent is amazing, and using like that whole like singing over each other thing, it makes it very, very musical and traditional. Uh, it reminds me of going to like the church youth group, and everybody was trying to be the bestest Christian at right. church and out Christian each other while they're out getting knocked up outside of church. It's yeah, that sounds about yeah. right. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I missed the Book of Mormon last time it came to town. I regret not finding some way to to go and see it. Uh, hopefully, it does come around soon. This is actually such a very catchy and inspiring song, and like the humor is kind of understated, so that you kind of think it's going to be straight faced, like by the numbers musical, but then it catches you a bit off guard and like subverts those expectations which makes the humor even more effective uh you know i hope i don't offend anyone by mentioning that the mormon religion is just buck-ass wild (laughs) crazy stories and weird quirks but i'll be damned if every mormon i've ever known wasn't like otherwise super intelligent and really talented just a joy to be around the whole problem is uh just that whole door-to-door evangelism thing do you get to see them when they're coming by yeah i've seen them riding their bikes uh yeah do you try do you just like turn around i'm not going right, home right now right yeah give it another little hour yeah bit, uh, i think um i think the latter-day saints roll by around us and the jehovah's witnesses like to come down the street quite a few times so imagine like me with like my woke up hair and some right. shorts on and i'm like ah! Like, yeah. I can see, like, the fear flash in their eyes for half yeah, a you're second. just, like, hissing at them. Yeah, I must be a little bit scary. So, I know that this is about, like, that mission time, right? <laughs> right, that's yeah. That's what this is. So, I, yeah. Cause, I mean, God bless them out in that heat, man. They will do it Oof. all summer. I don't get it. Ooh, it's too hot. Jody brings reproduction from Greece too. Oh, in an abstract way, the same thing applies to the reproductive organs of the more complex life forms. But we are now dealing with sexual response. Are there any questions before we begin reading? Is it possible the female member of some sex on a couch could like get this guy all hot and she never even knew it? Negative. When a warm-blooded mammal in a tight little sweater starts pulling that stuff, She's saying that she wants to do it. Prove it by me. Cause they change their tune when you got them in the backseat. With his heart beating fast. They make it sound like a track being gross. Yeah, and all they can do is say, no, 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 no. She says, maybe a little over the top, but man, is this song catchy. And can we discuss whether you like Grease or Grease 2 better? I'll vote the sequel, y'all. Science class class got like super lewd in here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't know the parts of the plant could be said so lustily. (laughs) Uh, Literally, my first introduction to Grease 2 is this. Oh, wow. I I mean, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, this is the first song I've ever heard of them. I know that Little Red Bandwagon, which is our sister show, has been preaching about how the sequel is better than Grease, and I can get behind the protection message. And while it is in the same vein as the original, much more informational in real life than the, um, you know, than Grease. I guess I should really watch it since everybody says it's a great it's great and you know it's supposed to be better than Greece and I, yeah. I have seen Greece a whole bunch and I feel like I always find new things in Greece so Greece 2 is 
if everybody likes it so much. It's got to be great, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've never seen either Grease film all the way through, so I really can't pick which one's better as a film, but I'm pretty sure this is the only song that I've heard from Grease 2. <laughs> and the first film has such bangers as Beauty School Dropout, Grease Lightning, Grease is the Word, Summer Nights. So unless Gr- the Grease 2 soundtrack's just been hiding some gems from me all my life, I have to Im- imagine that the first one's better, right? I don't know. Like, this song, definitely a winner, though. I would imagine pretty much every person on the planet can relate to being a horny teenager and like trying to keep it cool in your biology class when they're talking about reproduction. Uh, and even if you're a fairly mature kid like me, you can't help but giggle at someone calling pollen lusty dust. Oh my gosh, lusty dust? Yeah, they called pollen Ooh. lusty dust at one point. There was just like... I got your pistol right here. Yep, I was All like right. the pistol part. was like, how is this, how this gets so sexy? I don't understand. But I felt bad for the teacher the whole time. Yeah. He, he seemed like he was really uncomfortable. I mean, he is the one who called it Lusty Dust. Yeah. So I think he, he kind of brought it on himself. Yeah. And then, of course, like they just start talking about carrying protection. and I Smart. Was, yeah, it's very smart. I, I think that probably teaches more than Beauty School Dropout did. That's true. Yeah. Helen brought Liza Minnelli performing, performing Mine Hair from Cabaret. A tiger is a tiger, not a lamb, mine hair. You'll never turn the vinegar to jam, mine hair. So I do what I do. When I'm through, then I'm through. And I'm through. Toodaloo. Bye. Bye. My liebe hair. Farewell, my liebe hair. It was a fine affair, but now it's over. And though I used to care, I need the open air. You're better off without me, mine hair. Don't dab your eye, mine hair, or wonder why, mine hair. I've always said that I was a rover. You mustn't knit your brow, you should have known by now. You've every cause to doubt me, mine hair. Hoodies. So uh, this one was recently a production at Playhouse on the Square, and I actually went with Helen and friends oh, for crap. her birthday. Oh, wow. My first introduction to Cabaret. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I have no idea how this is going to go. And this is an amazing musical. This song perfectly gets the gist of many of the songs. It's playful and sexy and pretty awesomely prostitutional uh, <laughs> it gets so frenzied just to bring you back for the journey again liza minnelli does sound like a perfectly fabulous sally bowles and it's just it's a lusty great song which are like a musical with with this like big twist so it's definitely worth watching the whole thing i haven't seen the movie so i don't know if they pull it off the same way but there's like it's got a pretty good twist in there. I have to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, young Liza Minnelli was such a fox. <laughs> and that voice is just, like, so powerful and charismatic. Uh, her voice has that, like, characteristic rasp that somehow serves both as, like, sultry and alluring, but also very commanding and determined. <laughs> and that combination of sexy and domineering would just turn me into putty in Liza Minnelli's hands, I think. 
there's also a lot of little stops and repetitions and moments of lingering within the song, which helps give it that like heavy mood of anticipation, which adds to the sensuality. And then, of course, the whole sexy aesthetic of her essentially lap dancing in an empty chair, uh, which adds a, an interesting escalation to the sensuality because the viewer doesn't have to imagine themselves in place of some character getting that dance. It's a very direct and uninhibited expression of that sexuality that like removes the need for a male proxy and just places a scantily clad <laughs> Liza Minnelli right in your lap and it's really good I mean yeah I'm, I'm okay with that yeah, personally I can watch that all day yeah man it's fine you should really see like a lot of production yeah I think so I'm gonna have good. to yeah it's so good Jeremy H brings the origin of love from Hedwig and the Angry Inch now there was three sexes then one that looked like two men glued up back to back they called the children of the sun and similar in shape and girth was the children of the earth They look like two girls rolled up in one And the children of the moon was like a fork shoved on a spoon They was but some part of her daughter but some Gods grew quite scared of our strength and defiance and Thor said, I'm gonna kill them all with my hammer, like I killed the giants. But Zeus said, no, you better let me use my lightning like scissors, like I got the legs of the whales, dinosaurs and the lizards. He, he says, all y'all need to bow down and pay reverence to the greatest rock musical of all time. However, I'm going to suggest a ballad from that musical, so go find the rest of the musical and then bow down. First of all, isn't there like, um, I, I thought that like Queen did a rock musical, didn't they? No, Roboto. What was Mr. Roboto? Sticks. Sticks did that. Okay. Totally different. Totally different right, vocal yeah. ranges. But they did indeed do a rock musical, right? Yeah, Sticks. I don't know. Their stuff was all just like concept albums, which may so, fall into rock musical. Okay. But The Who had the Tommy thing, which I think was an actual musical. And then there was like the tongue-in-cheek one, which is, uh, this is Spinal Tap? Right, yeah. Is that's... that a musical? Yeah, I don't think so, but wow. Okay, well, I, I'm just trying because it to doesn't like... it doesn't have songs that advance the plot. Where okay. I think that's an important element. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. See, I'm already trying to start controversial while we're yeah. discussing this. Um, this is another unfamiliar musical for me that I I know is very beloved. I really appreciate this uh, that this was made in the late 90s when small steps forward were occurring for the LGBTQ community. Uh, the year before was when Ellen came out and really started moving some jerks out of their jerkdom because her show was really good and really popular. The origin of love story came from Aristophanes and this does a great job of turning an old song uh, like an old as heck song I guess song, speech, into like this rock ballad like this whole story started out as a speech and then it goes into a rock ballad that's done in this very like modern 70s rock style and i i really like this song i need to like explore more of it but i was reading more about the musical and it seems like totally down my like, yeah i agree yeah. certainly yeah. yeah i've also i've never seen hedwig and the angry inch uh either a you know stage production or the movie uh, i am familiar with her 
with it as a cultural reference. So I'd definitely be pretty excited for a chance to see a live production. And uh, actually word around the campfire that someone in Memphis is actually putting together a production of this. So uh, perhaps we will get our chance. Uh, Or maybe even better, I might be able to weasel my way into being a part of the uh, accompanying band. That might be pretty cool. That would be good. So yeah, as as a show that sort of confronts issues of of gender nonconformity and dysphoria, seems especially prescient to a 2019 audience when a lot of folks are discovering that they need not be confined by gender norms and expectations and people are realizing just how powerful androgyny can be as a way to present your authenticity and individuality you know if if memphis puts this on definitely gonna go see it this is a pretty powerful jam yeah i think that like because i mean we do have a really amazing lgbtq community like here in memphis and so i think that it would do really well but it also could get some of those rural areas that are right out there like more you know more aware of the issues and i i don't know it's really cool plus anything that's like got a little bit of german history thrown in there might as well enjoy it because it does have some german history in there colian brings maria from west side story maria i've just met a girl named maria and suddenly that name will never be the same to me. Maria, I've just kissed a girl named Maria, and suddenly I've found how wonderful a sound can be. Maria, say it loud and there's music playing. Say it soft and it's almost like praying. Maria, I'll never stop saying Maria, 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 Maria. It's a favorite, uh, he says it's a favorite from the film that got me interested in musical. This is, this is a great musical. It was a problematic movie. Uh, They did paint white folks brown and Puerto Ricans too, because they were like, well, you're not brown. How are you Puerto Rican? Have you seen the movie? I've not. Oh, there's a lot of like painting white people brown. It was a different time. They should have known better, but it was a different time. I don't know what to say. So that old Romeo and Juliet makeover is, is, it's just so good to listen to. And um, him swooning over Maria is just, it's, it's beautifully done. Just like falling in love with so few lyrics. It's written so amazingly. Right. Yeah. yeah. One doesn't even realize how like, how simple the song or like how complex the song is because it's very well crafted yeah you're you're singing essentially one word constantly and like Mm -hmm. still making it like just wildly different emotionally yeah. yeah, this definitely seems to be one of the most iconic musicals of all time. Pretty much every stand-up comedian has a bit about the premise of like two rival street gangs preparing for a violent knife fight with some spirited songs and graceful ballet, you know. Uh, the song obviously a bit redundant in parts, but, uh, you know, the repetition of the name Maria really nails that dreaminess of falling in love and the sense of your mind being overlo- overloaded and sort of on a loop, constantly thinking about this person that you just fell in love with. Uh, the whole thing just seems so over-the-top, but 
somehow I still get that sense of authenticity from the performance. Uh, so I think West Side Story might possibly be one of the few musicals I could like actually enjoy in a live production. So maybe we'll see that one come around too. Did you ever put on any of these musicals for Jackson Central Mary? I didn't. Uh, the only one, the only musical I was involved in was uh, a musical production of Footloose that I did ah. the lights for. And it was pretty great, actually. Yeah. It was pretty well done. Because I remember JCM doing a, uh, a Grease and really? doing a West Side Story. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know Miss Fly got that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. David H. brings My Little Butter Club Cup from Three Amigos. With your eyes so blue. Little Buttercup, you're a dream come true. And I will settle down in a cottage built for two. Dear little buttercup, I love you. Everybody! <laughs> my little buttercup has the sweetest. It's my ear. <laughs> Dear little buttercup, won't you stay out? Quiet, quiet! <laughs> And I will settle down in a cottage built for two. Dear little buttercup, sweet little buttercup, my little buttercup, I love you. Uh, this would be my audition song for a musical because I think I can hit all the nose. And also, what is this? I've never heard or seen of this like film. You've with... never heard of no. Three Amigos? It's got Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Chevy Chase. This is like an SNL thing because more Michaels right. is somehow involved. I don't know. What have I been missing? Uh, this is an adorable little song made kind of clunkily. And I highly suspect that the actual song is not part of the plot. Yeah, so I can't believe you've never seen this uh, or even heard of it. Like, I haven't watched Three Amigos since I was like twelve, and it would it used to come on Comedy Central all the time. I can't when, believe not while I was in college. I guess, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's true. But it was whenever I was, you know, yeah, like I said, when I was like twelve or thirteen, this was constantly on on Comedy Central, and I thought it was like silly and decent enough, but it did it never really stuck out to me whenever I watched it. Uh, but in the research, I discovered that uh, in collaboration with Steve Martin and Lauren Michaels, my man Randy Newman <laughs> also contributed to writing this film, both the screenplay and some of the original music. Uh, this song is definitely a perfect representation of that over-the-top cutesy musical number that I might otherwise like kind of roll my eyes out if it, you know, if it weren't being delivered by three of the goofiest dudes <laughs> on the planet. And so now that I know Randy Newman had a hand in making this, I'm definitely going to rewatch it. You feel like your, your palate might be a little better than when you were 12? That's certainly true, for sure. <laughs> well, I, I feel like I'd be coming to this, like, new. Right, yeah. yeah. So I uh, I really should possibly try to find this on Netflix or yeah, Amazon. I'm, I'm sure it's somewhere, yeah. Yeah, I'm obviously missing a cultural moment. Yeah, I think you are. <laughs> uh, so Jason did send us an email, like, a couple of episodes, like, ago, and right. we hadn't we hadn't gotten it on the show. so For the funeral episode, right? Yeah, it was yeah, for gotcha. the funeral episode. Um, he says, wow, how long has it been since I emailed last? Uh, don't know. I can't remember. I'm sure we could search this. Um, 
First, I'd like to talk about how awesome last week's Yacht Rock episode was. How many episodes ago was that? That was probably three episodes ago okay. <laughs> Yeah, I was telling Dakota that it was a pretty good episode. Um, I hope you both get a chance to check out the episodes of Documentary Now and the Blue Jean Committee. They actually recorded a full-length album, and I love it. Regarding this week's theme, which was funerals, uh, I will say I thoroughly enjoyed Songs for Your Funeral, the first go-around, episodes 35 and 36. I was such a young, naive podcast co-host back then. My submissions couldn't be more different. Uh, he also says that he would like to submit Funky Town by Lips, Inc. says this song has always held a special place in my heart it reminds me of being a kid and coming to know disco and funk as my first true loves and music is undeniably fun as all pop music should be i definitely don't want a memorial service that isn't somewhat happy thanks and enjoy jason bonner your buddy Emer- emeritus um yeah and that's not even the only feedback we like even though we are behind on our feedback right it wasn't we used to not get it very often and <laughs> now now, uh, now, we're, now we a, have an embarrassment of riches it's it's fine i like it it's a plethora yeah i love it yeah um kayla also sent in a voicemail this week as well it was a bit on the long side but we also still want to say that we really really appreciate it as uh, she talks about her evolving feelings on um on huge <laughs> huge jackman which i like i'm like Wolverine. It's Wolverine. Yeah, Wolverine. Yeah, and her and like the greatest showman, and she was talking about how like she really came around in her experience with it, and actually getting to see him live and all that stuff. Oh wow! Which actually, that's how he got famous. Really? Yeah, from Oklahoma. I didn't know that. He was in Oklahoma, and that's like one of his like best known like productions before he started doing, you know, I'm. Wolverine movies. Yeah. So before he started yeah. schnickety schnicking people with his with his claws. Yeah. So actually, what he was known for is musicals, like musical theory, uh, uh, theater. I can't talk. And he was in Les Mis too, right? Did we talk about that? Yeah. Okay. And she was talking about how she didn't like him as Jean. So that's that's me. I, right. I'm like I don't want to wreck the rest of that. Um, if you want to tweet at us, you can tweet. I'm at Pow I Gotcha. And I'm at Madam Woolley. And the show is at E&E Pod. Facebook, plethora of riches and plethora of plethoras. Uh, go dive into that. It's Earbuds and Earworms podcast group on Facebook. The voicemail line is... 731-400-BUDS or... 731-400-2837. You can email the show, andypod at gmail.com, and you can always go to our website and find all our other stuff, andypod.com, part of the 10710 network. Our final song, because Kayla feels strongly about... Yes, she does feel <laughs> she very feels, strongly about musicals. Yes, she feels very strongly about musicals. So uh, hers is I'll Make a Man of You from Mulan. She says, I wrote a parody song for this that goes with Final Fantasy XIV. It goes with some of our themes there, too. Yeah. Uh, not going to post it because the references would go over most of re- y'all's heads, if not all of y'all. Anyways, while doing my research to get the rhyming and cadence down for my words to match, I was reminded of how much work actually goes into the music of Disney. True. This song is super fun to sing with a group of people, and it's always a crowd pleaser. It's also required in a musical, like, a musical episode for us to do any Disney. 
Right, I yeah. agree. We had to pull this in. Yep. Yeah. So, so this is the third episode in a row to feature one of Kayla's <laughs> picks. Uh, usually, we try to change it up, but she somehow managed to to sneak in three in a row. Yeah. Uh, last week we had her for she gave us the theme of hardened hearts. Mm-hmm. Two weeks ago we used her in a uh, Soup's funeral songs theme, and she gave us the Les Mis, which inspired this week's theme yep. of musicals. <laughs> And so, yeah, although I, I didn't really consider Disney animated films when he put out the theme, I think they absolutely count as musicals. The songs contribute to the narrative and, like, reflect plot points, so totally allowing it. And this song, the reason why I want to close on it is one of my absolute hands-down favorite songs from a Disney film. I love, like, the ironic subversion of gender here with the military, you know, making a man out of Mulan, who's obviously actually a lady and who actually does these traditionally male activities much better than the men that she's training with. And musically, for me, the drums are totally what make this song. You know, it starts with that, like, military snare drum cadence. It establishes that, like, militaristic mood. And then the actual full drums just continue to escalate throughout the whole song and spend a lot of time on the offbeat, which kind of creates this sort of, like, element of surprise that, you know, parallels with the combat training. It's just got a super, super triumphant key change in the middle of it, too. It's just like so driving, so inspiring, makes me want to climb mountains and just be the best I can be. So listen for the drums and uh, cross your fingers that Disney doesn't sue us. Get pumped to listen to I'll Make a Man Out of You from Mulan.
all the force of a great typhoon, with all the strength of a raging fire, mysterious as the dark side of the moon. Buttercup. <laughs>